Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, folks, to the PKN Packaging News Podcast, brought to you today by SMC, where a little goes a long way. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News, and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. Can you please tell us about our topic and our guest for this episode? Well, hello, Grant. Today, we're going to be talking about what it means to make a sustainable impact by taking a closer look at the sustainability journey of one of Australia's most successful social enterprise startups. Thank you. That's a company that's well known to many of us. Now, to give us Thank You's perspective, joining us in the studio today is Daniel Flynn, Thank You's co-founder, managing director, and chief visionary. Now, Daniel co-founded Thank You at the age of 19, and today, 12 years later, Thank You's personal care products are stocked by major retailers in Australia, with every product contributing to helping end global poverty. To date, Thank You has raised over $17 million to impact the lives of people across 22 countries. Now, Grant, PKN has tracked the Thank You journey from its very early beginnings, and I will never forget the day we had Daniel join us on stage at one of our very first live events to tell the story of how Thank You caught the attention of Australia's retailers and packaging suppliers through a highly resourceful, imaginative and captivating campaign. And as Daniel spoke and told his story, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. Everyone was enthralled, which is why I feel truly privileged today to have Daniel join us. Welcome to the PKN podcast, Daniel. Thank you, Lindy. And uh, yeah, it's good to connect again. Fantastic. Now, Daniel, it's been 12 years and a journey marked by highs and some lows, many learnings as you've had to let go of some products along the way that weren't serving your ethos or your business model. All steps that you have had to take to move your business along the path to becoming a more sustainable and environmentally aware business. Can you map the journey so far and give us some of the the big milestones along the way? Yeah, look, I mean, it has, I mean, it has been a big journey, uh, way more lows than highs and probably way more lows than anyone really knows. And I think anyone who's on a journey of pioneering something or even taking an idea and making it a reality, you know that to be true, um, you know. And so, look, we, there are so many milestones in the journey and, and, and moments, but I think if to kind of focus it around, you know, this idea of sustainability it's funny because we entered uh, with a very first product in a very controversial category, bottled water. In now, plastic, us, bottled in yeah, plastic, yes. Single-use plastic bottled water, the worst of the worst. And in 2008, you know, it was an issue, certainly nowhere near the level of awareness and focus today. But even in 2008 when we entered it, to us, thank you, wasn't a bottle of water. It was an idea. It was an idea built around our world living in two extremes. So we have extreme poverty, the fact that, uh, well, today, 736 million people are living in extreme poverty, and then extreme consumerism. So the fact that we spend, as consumers, $63 trillion a year uh, on stuff, you know, on the products we choose. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling. And thank you is this bridge between those two extremes. And so we had this thought of a consumer brand that empowered consumers to choose a product that existed all for the end of extreme poverty. And bottled water was our first. And it was meant to be a little bit of a 
maybe a mirror to society and the reflection wasn't beautiful. It was saying, hey, bottled water is a silly product. We said it from day one. We said, but if there is going to be a brand that exists at the same time while, uh, you know, 4,500 children at the time were dying every day from waterborne disease, we said there should be an option as a consumer to help end the world water crisis and uh, bottled water was that first product. And, and, and when we got into it, I mean, it's a bit of a, a rugged journey, but by year three, you know, we had some national ranging in at 7-Eleven through some creative campaigning. They became a great partner. Products sold, we raised money. Uh, and I think year five was our turning point and you referenced the campaign where the supermarkets got on board and it was a very controversial, um, edgy campaign but it was the day we essentially launched from what was a bottle of water into a range of personal care products and food products. And we really expanded this whole thank you ethos and idea. Now, years later, we walked away from bottled water, our Genesis product. And we walked away earlier than most knew. Uh, so when we launched Thank You in New Zealand, we didn't take Thank You Water, which is what people kind of knew us for. We, we, we took uh, our personal care range and we left water behind and it, it gave us a great sense of confidence to come back to Australia and remove it from the shelf. As you mentioned, leave millions of dollars on the table, but we weren't convinced that we could or that we had found yet a sustainable and truly sustainable option to take water into the future. There are heaps of greenwashing solutions that I think most consumers would clap and you'd, you'd get on some podcast and win some awards, but those who really knew what was going on, in fact, to be honest, you probably wouldn't win awards, not for greenwashing. You know, you, you would, those who really knew what was going on, you know, the solutions we looked at weren't more sustainable. They just sounded it. And so that led to some really hard decisions. And I would say our journey is marked with these kind of highs of, campaigns and ideas getting to market and it's equally marked with these really tough decisions where you think gosh like why is this so hard and complicated and I just thought we're here to help help people and now we're faced with you know continual ethical you know challenges and and questions and I mean we're purpose-built we're purpose-led it's at our core and so ultimately that's why we wrestle with these these things well i think it, as you correctly stated there the the very space in which you're trying to function is a constant barrage of of moral and uh, social and ethical dilemmas um that you're you're working with people who are in an extreme state of poverty you're trying to help them and uplift them but at the same time the products that you're using are very much in that whole capitalist um, consumerist realm um, because as you said quite rightly so we're consuming anyway why don't we consume to help other people if we're going to be buying the product now one of the the products that you stepped away from were your food range of products um, tell, tell us a little bit about that decision yeah, look, that was a that was a hard decision, and and uh, I mean we've learned a lot since making that decision. But we found ourselves spread very thin, so we were in the water category, food category, and personal care, and those three was kind of manageable. But it wasn't until we entered the baby category and we launched into baby body care products and nappies or diapers, depending on what part of the world you're listening to this from. Uh, and we, we, we launched into the category and it was 
all-out war. Yes, um, I'm, trying, war. I'm trying to think of a nice way to put it, but it was. It was, you know, for quite a cute and cuddly category, I didn't expect the kind of veracity of competition and um, I don't even know if that's the right word, but I'm so sleep-deprived as a young parent right now. I think we've got a six-month-old. <laughs> we'll we'll let you get get away yeah. with veracity and you can quite put veracity behind some of those big brands and the actions that they yeah, take. Yeah, 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 yeah. I appreciate you guys giving me just a little bit of margin here. Um, <laughs> but, but entering into the baby category, man, it was tough. And I think we had our most successful launch ever. So we got 10% market share in the subcategory we were in in the first few months. Industry was shocked. We were shocked. But we basically just sent a huge signal that thank you works in one of the toughest categories. And so then we faced a huge amount of pushback, deep competition, uh, promotional spends, all the normal levers um, you know, nothing unethical, just super highly competitive. And so we found ourselves highly competitive baby category, highly competitive personal care, food and beverage. And we sat back and there's this one quote that framed our exit announcement. Uh, anything is possible, but not everything. And we'd kind of learned that, yeah, yeah, everything's not. And and so we made a strategic call. We had to drop one of the categories. That was the view we had. And food for us was a good business, but it wasn't great. Um, it was kind of a flat line. It wasn't sinking. It was growing a little bit, but not very quickly. Um, it was about a $7 million food business. Like It wasn't small, but it... Uh, yeah, we made the call and, and so we, we, we left that. And when we left that food category, our view personally was we're, we're away for today, but one day once we figure out how to make this whole model work better, we'll be back. And um, we, we, we sort of, yeah, we've had some updates in that space, no big official announcements, but um, we do look forward to thank you popping up in a few more categories. So one of the questions that occurs to me um, and whether you'd be going back into it at, at any point perhaps um, and perhaps you're not in a position to say so right now but that would be the water because I do think people are still continuing to buy water and as we bring PET recycling on stream into a circular economy here down the line would you consider going back into water? We definitely would uh, and you know in a perfect world the day we exited water would be the day that we launched the new water kind of future of thank you. Unfortunately, though, there was a gap and the gap was we weren't ready. We had some pretty awesome ideas and, you know, designs and thoughts. But, I mean, we just weren't prepared to hang in there with single-use plastic, you know, and, and, and sort of just keep doing what really we felt wasn't right for thank you whilst we wait for this perfect future. And so we thought, well, let's have the courage to exit and then it'll mean that the day we enter, again, it'll have to, like, it'll have to really cut through. It'll have to, um, you know, it's a bold approach, but we, we will be, we, from my perspective, we'll be back. Um, you know, got to get back to a couple of emails, but we're getting, we're getting closer as the days go on and it'll, it'll be very, very different to where we left off. Well, different and bold has always been your approach. Now, you recently announced that you are carbon neutral certified. What does that exactly mean for your company and why has it been so important for you to get there? Look, I think we, we hold um, a lot of tensions at Thank You because we make product, you know, and it's all for the purpose of ending extreme poverty. 
it's still at the end of day's product and every product has you know impact the packaging has impact um the water the carbon the ingredients and where they came from and so we feel that whilst we're on a mission to ultimately raise as much money as we can to fund um, projects around the world helping end extreme poverty we need to do it in a um in a great way in a sustainable way in an ethical way and uh, carbon neutral is sort of one of those that fits into uh, for us uh, one of our responsible business goals uh, goal number three and that's a reduction of carbon and so we work with uh, the team in Australia they're the leaders uh, climate active um, and I think for us it wasn't just important to buy credits but to really have that certified and um, you know to help us know cool like we are carbon neutral versus just we think we might be um, and there are costs time and energy involved in it but we think it's important and you know I think I think for any product company this is you know one of the many kind of rights to play I would say uh, in this new world and new economy and you know I, I think we're probably too slow I mean if I'm honest about ourselves, you know I wish in, you know we'd got on earlier but you know you, you make the steps and we're here now and, and, and certainly not looking back. Absolutely. Now, you also recently implemented responsible business goals. What are these goals? Yes, look, our RBGs is our way of trying to um, put into kind of five key call-outs all of the micro goals and all of the initiatives around responsible business and what that means to us. Um, so our first two goals look at how we treat workers um, in our supply chain uh, and the goal is absolutely fairly by holding all partners and manufacturers accountable to our code of conduct. Um, but the second part is the responsible sourcing of ingredients. Um, modern day slavery is a huge issue in our world and I don't think we're talking enough about it, um, but it is absolutely prevalent and everywhere and sometimes as we dig down through tiers and supply chain or meet others and hear about new at-risk ingredients, it's really shocking because you think, gosh, like the world is a lot further behind than I thought it was or than maybe some project it is. Um, so that's the first two goals. Um, our other three goals look at our reduction in carbon, uh, goal number three. Uh, reduction in waste, so this is throughout all packaging, and finally a reduction in water. Uh, and each of them are difficult within their own way. Um, they're kind of simple sentences, but as you dig behind it, I mean pages and pages of detail and strategy around what we hope is, you know, carrying out responsible business here, here in Australia and around the world. So certainly you're partnering with a number of um, outsourced manufacturers, I'm assuming. Um, so you are taking responsibility for their accountability, really. Um, as, a, as a company, you've got to make sure that everybody in your supply chain is working to your same values. How have you found that your um, goals have been received by your partners? You know, I think that the best way to put this would be most people we talk to uh, conceptually up for it. You know, I think everyone's like, yeah, of course we wouldn't want 
slavery in a supply chain, or of course we'd want workers, you know, to be looked after and yeah, absolutely let's minimize waste. And so I think at a heart level, you know, everyone's in, which is good, you know. Once you start wading into the practicalities and the commercial realities, it's very tricky. Um, you know, I remember years ago, particularly when we were in food and we were trying to navigate just the huge number of ingredients, and I think it was apricots. It's one of the ingredients that um, I think it was dried apricots, but we're trying to figure out, but, but where did they originally come from? And everyone is quite reluctant to give the information of where they got it from, not necessarily because they're trying to hide um, bad practice, but because their business is sourcing from that source. And if they tell you where they get it from, you could just cut them out of the deal. And so early, early days, it was sort of a, no, 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 we're not trying to cut people out. We're trying to learn. Um, but the further back we went, uh, apricots was a good example. I mean, it, it came from, you know, an, an importer got it from an exporter and an exporter got it from, well, depending on what time of the year it was, uh, different different places. And, and that made things even more confusing. And then some product uh, came from multiple sources in a region or multiple regions. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it, it is a lot of work. And so I would say we've had mixed results, um, certainly not at a heart level, but at a practicality level. And I think this is a great challenge um, for every manufacturer, contract manufacturer, packaging supplier. Consumers expect it. A lot of people are out there claiming some pretty big, bold claims about, you know, doing things good for the planet. But I think that maybe behind that, uh, I don't want to say curtain. I know everyone's working really hard, but I, I think at times that might be a little thinner than the reality. And I think at some point it's going to catch up. Consumers are going to figure this stuff out. Um, and, you know, our work over the last 10 years, I'd say, in this space is slow. Um, we thought it would be quick, but um, it also shows us where the industry is at and we all need to work together to solve some of the complexities. Yeah, there's a, the, the pace of change has got to really uh, step up. So, um, Daniel, to date you have raised over $17 million to impact the lives of people in 22 countries. That is a large amount of money, but would you have thought that perhaps by now you would have raised more? What's your view on that? Yeah, I, in one sense it's a lot of money. In another sense, you know, and I'm not, we're not, not grateful for the process, but it's, it's sort of it's a very small number. You know, I, I earlier spoke about the $63 trillion that we're spending on consumer product, and thank you is a bridge between the two. And, you know, if we measured $17 million to that bigger number, I think, I think there's a huge gap. Um, and that is really what's probably kept us up at night, um, not late, lately, but from the very beginning. Uh, and in particularly about four years ago, maybe five now, we, we really wrestled with, hang on a second, this is not scaling to the rate it, we believe it should. Um, and, and there are some challenges with the way we're running this and the model it's not going to get to where it should, um, and, and that a lot of deep work went into that, and that culminated in a campaign we launched last year uh, called No Small Plan. And mm, you know, we, I we are that. Take, yeah, so we're taking some very bold steps forward 
to grow this in quite unconventional ways um, because we haven't lost sight of the vision. We haven't lost sight of the mission. Uh, it was encouraging 2020 for us. Um, when we entered 2020, we had raised $7 million for our impact partners. And then due to COVID and the influx in hand wash and hand sanitizer sales, we gave a further $10 million. So it was a big year last year and it was, it was a little boost to, ah, yes, you know, at a time the world needs funding for charities because people had, you know, have stopped giving like they were. Thank you was able to kind of have our, our strongest growth ever um, because consumers kept consuming no matter how uncertain the times were. So thank you has a role to play. That number needs a whole lot of zeros. Uh, if you have any ideas to help, bring them, but uh, we will get there. You're listening to the PKN Podcast by Yaffa Media. We'll be right back after this. When you energise your efficiency with SMC, a little goes a long way. SMC Corporation offers energy-saving solutions and expertise that you can trust. Over the years, SMC Energy Saving Conservation Group has saved customers thousands of dollars by finding sustainable energy-saving solutions based on their exact requirements. Improve your bottom line while reducing your footprint. It's a win-win and the savings are real. Seeing is believing. SMC. More than pneumatics. And now, let's get back to the discussion on the PKN podcast. Well, we were very excited last year when we saw the No Small Plan announcement and um, it was very bold and audacious and ambitious. Um, And you very quickly caught the attention of the big players, uh, global players. So can you just, for for listeners who may not be aware of what that plan is, um, and I know that you're still not in a position to fully disclose what's going to be happening, but can you just explain what you brought to market when you announced No, no Small Plan? And um, can you explain what your thinking is behind it? Yeah, perfect. Well, look, look just like the name suggests, it's not a small plan. Uh, we launched a video and it basically said, you know, hey, everyone, the world's in a tough spot and it's getting tougher. Extreme poverty is on the rise ex- and extreme consumerism still exists. Uh, we actually outlined the fact that we've made $10 million from, you know, hand sanitizer and wash sales. And we said, look, we have a bold idea. We think, thank you, the model is working and it needs to get to the world, not one day, but today. And so we extended an invitation uh, to literally competitors, uh, and we made it quite public. We we called out two of the biggest product companies on the planet, P&G and Unilever. We explained to kind of everyone that these are two of the companies that, you know, I suppose, uh, yeah, you know, get a lot of product to the world. And, and we said, look, we're inviting one of them to make and distribute, thank you, personal care products, um, and distribute them not to maybe one other country, but well, maybe one day every country. And, and so this idea of going global, not alone, but together. Um, and we invited the big two. We also invited nine of their other competitors. And so really it was open to anyone in the industry. And the particular agreement that we spent, you know, years sort of working on and thinking through, uh, it actually mirrors some of the work that Disney do in licensing, also borrows from a, a partnership with Yeezy, the brand, the Yeezy shoe, uh, and Kanye, uh, you know, has this brand Yeezy and Adidas, well, they make and distribute that shoe around the world. They're really good at running the $1.5 billion shoe business. Yeezy's really good at the brand bit. And we kind of sat back and go, hang on a second. 
we are competing against these global machines that are actually very good at what they do. And we should be humble enough to acknowledge that. And yes, we love to compete and let's take them on. But we sat back going, we always saw them as Goliath, but are they? Are they really? Or is the real Goliath that we're after consumerism? And what if we work together with those who are up for it and kind of together we become this sort of bigger David? And so it's really about partnership. We made it very clear you cannot own thank you. It's a, a partnership. And uh, we put those partnership agreements into uh, like a two-meter wooden crate and we put them in two 26-foot glass trucks and we delivered one agreement to London uh, Unilever's head office and one to Cincinnati for P&G's head office. And we delivered the on, the, on the front it said, this is an invitation to change the world because it is, literally. Um, and it entered a really interesting however many months it's been, I lose track again you know, newborn, but uh, we're, we're sort of nine months into that campaign, I think, and uh, we got huge uptake, 2.6 billion media impressions, 840 media features in 35 countries. I mean, I was disappointed a bit with Australian media. I think we had like 19 features here, but we had 30 in Japan. Um, I mean, one, one outlet had like 90 million readers. I'm like, for a kid that grew up in Australia, I just couldn't even comprehend it. And so... It just took off in India, 150 features there and Brazil. And, and so the, the, the idea kind of resonated and we had all these consumers posting. We had, it led to conversations with, you know, almost all of the biggest companies in the world and others, others who thought, hey, you didn't mention us. You didn't send us an invite, but we could do Europe or we could do America or we could do Asia. And so we then went from, we should have, actually, we think we should have called the campaign No Short Plan because it's taken <laughs> a very long time to kind of wade through. Is it better to partner with this company or that one or a series of both? And I think we'll get to a result that um, will be best for thank you, best for humanity. And it may not be one global partner. It might be a couple. Um, so, and, and I would say we have seen the best of humanity in the industry and we may have seen a touch of the worst all in this campaign. Um, but look, we are also in the middle of a global pandemic. We're not here to be too critical uh, of everyone. But I do think this is a bit of a moment in history where people will look back and they will look to companies that dared to forge bold new paths forward. You know, and they, they, they'll look back at organisations that are willing to go, hey, I won't just, you know, make home base safe during a pandemic. I'll actually think about how to help the world. And, and so I think, that's, I think it's a really important moment in history. And I'm very glad with what we're doing, although it is risky because we are that kind of niche brand that's now kind of about to partner with some pretty big companies. And one could say that's at war with our ethos, but we would say, well, that's what we thought too 12 years ago. But today we really believe there is a better way forward. It's more profitable. And whether it sounds popular to say or not, but some of these companies have done such a good job in their supply chain uh, looking at sustainability and ethics. I think they are, I mean, some companies are uh, completely uh, leading the industry and certainly more so than a lot of quote-unquote sustainable startups. So a great challenge out there. So what's the time frame? Yeah, so we, uh, we hoped we could get a, a result 
literally weeks after the campaign launched. Weeks into that campaign, we're like, whoa, how many years of work have we just signed up to? And so uh, <laughs> uh, because this stuff's complicated, uh, particularly when you're talking multiple countries and regions and contract negotiations and offers and counter offers and a whole bunch of other words we had to look up. Uh, we have some amazing people helping out, um, some incredible like leaders of industry who know this space well. We are hoping uh, to have a result in the coming months. Um, we're certainly not willing to take years on this. We don't think the world can wait for ideas like this. And so, you know, I hope um, very early in, in the new year next year to have worked through all the detail, making some announcements. But at the same time, I think history will look back at a good decision versus a quick decision. And, and, and we, really, we really need that decision that isn't the quick win, but it is the long-term win. And so we're committed to that. And in the meantime, there's that awkward phase of friends and family and interviews like, so how's it going? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Well, the important thing is to know that it is progressing. But meantime, you are actually getting on with doing some other things as well. And you've just launched a plastic-free range nationwide. Tell us more about what was involved in getting this off the ground. Yeah, look, I mean, this was amazing work by an amazing team. And, uh, you know, we have currently just, yeah, an incredible team. And there were some team members who actually aren't with us currently, but years ago had been really integral in this part of the journey. And we honour them. Uh, the idea is, uh, you know, plastic-free personal care. These are solid bars, hair care, um, you know, lotions, scrubs. Um, and, and, and it's a range that, uh, I think complements our, our range. It also pushes the boundary. It also removes plastic. And I think that's a bold move. And it's certainly something that consumers are saying they want. Um, it'd be cool if that translated into sales just between, you know, us and everyone listening. And, and it, it always perplexes me the gap between what everyone says they want and we all know this, you know, because you would say they want this, but then what do they actually pay for? And so that that's a very interesting world to navigate. But um, it's great innovation. Our contract manufacturers are the, the real heroes behind this story. I mean, they are genius. And, and it's really, it's a special product. If you've used it, um, it is, yeah, really well thought through. And it's available, you know, in all great, great retailers right now around the country. So ch check it out. I certainly will. I'm still, I've got all your soap pump bottles around my house. So um, um have long been a supporter of thank you. Now, Daniel, that time has come for us to wrap up, unfortunately, but I would really love to give you an opportunity to give one final message to our audience. Yeah, look, I think that this whole topic of creating change, whether it's carbon neutrality to the packaging decisions through to the impact you make in the world and the mission that you're on is our experience is it's not easy on any front. But does it matter? I think it does. Because I think ultimately once we all realise, hey, the decisions we made, the products we made, the ideas we brought to market, they didn't just impact me or our company or our families, but they fundamentally changed and helped our world. I think that's the stuff that's not easy to get to, but it is the stuff that leaves an imprint um, years beyond us. And I, I think it's something we should all put, put focus into. And, and I know <laughs> it's, it's, it's really hard. 
It is hard, and thank you very much for continuing to to walk the talk and for continuing to try to be the change that you want to see in the world, Daniel. We really appreciate people like you. Thanks, Lindy. Well, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Lindy. And of course, thank you, folks, for joining us on this episode, which has been brought to you today by SMC, where a little goes a long way. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative episode, but until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.